Hey, busy business people. I am here today with another entrepreneur taking action, Darius Ross. He built a thriving real estate business based on the lessons he learned growing up in the strife, struggles, and urban warfare of Chicago's inner city. And I'm getting the scoop today on how he did it. So to kick things off, I mean, like you learned a lot of hard lessons growing up in Chicago's inner city. Like, what was that like? It was, I'll make a pause there. It was interesting in the sense that um, this was adversity at its best, because when you're growing up in the inner city of Chicago, what people know now is far different than what it was at that time, because now it has now become what is known as Chirac. You know, over the last two decades, over 10,000 people have been murdered there. So that kind of gives you an idea of we're comparing it to a modern day warfare. And even to this point, they're still not stopped. I mean, you've got rival fractions that don't even have an understanding of what's going on. So at that time, at least there was a gang code per se as to how things are working out. So when you look at that concept and you look at the violence that was happening, you look at how you had to go from different territories, be careful of the colors you wore, be very careful of who you're associated with, and then you're going to a Catholic school. So that made it all the more different. And then I'm going to a seminary. So that was even more controversial. And then you're Catholic, which is another controversy. So you're in the middle of a situation where everything is all different. And so having said that, you had all the dynamics for the perfect storm to where either a one or two things are going to happen. You're either going to become part of the uh, enemy that you're now faced with, or you're going to turn around and do something completely different, 360. So that kind of gives you the backdrop of what was happening. There. You know, we're looking at the go-go 80s with the crack epidemic. So that was another thing that was going on. That is a lot to have to overcome. So it's like, you know, obviously you had a lot to, to work through growing up. Like, when did you decide that you wanted more for your life, that something needed to be different for you instead of, you know, following, I guess, in the path of everything else around you? I was actually six years old and I used to look out the window. We live on the west side of Chicago and there was a building outside. Now it's called Willis Tower, but it was the Sears Tower, which was the infamous Sears on robots. And every single day I would actually my mom would have a habit of tearing my boxes down. So I'd take the boxes, build up the Sears Tower and create my own imagination of this tower because I wanted to be in the architect business, construction, real estate, and so forth. So that began at age six. So it was like always looking at those kind of things. And interestingly, speaking enough, the books that came out from Donald Trump with the art of the deal and all those kind of things, all those things shaped my personality, you know, growing up and watching Forbes 400 list. My dad would bring in the magazines and just throw them on the floor and say, go for what you know. So Forbes, Fortune, all these kind of things. So I grew up with the business mindset, you know, trending and playing with stock at that time, betting on stock and every single day watching the market. So this is me. So it started out early on about six. That's awesome. Most people don't even know what they're trying to do with their life by the time they hit, you know, 26, mm -hmm. let alone mm -hmm. six. Mm -hmm. That's right. I mean, I made it so good. I would actually take the Sears Tower and one time I almost electrocuted myself. I lit the tower up, took a bowl and put the bowl together with some wires that I found and spliced them, lit the tower up. And about two minutes later, I was across the room upside down. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so it was an experience. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun, though. Like, oh, So yeah. you kind of already knew that real estate was the direction you wanted to go, I guess, very early mm -hmm. on. Well, I mean, mm -hmm. you said a couple different things. You said like architecture, engineering, real estate. Like, how did you decide to go the real estate route instead of architecture, engineering? Like, how'd you make that choice? 
at the end of the day, it was a school thing because at the time, my father was making quite a bit of money, but my dad was one of those interesting characters where he had all other kind of things that he was doing, which were adverse to my best benefit. And so as a result, you know, school was out. So I had to go to City College. And after that, it was like, okay, I'm looking at the professors and I'm like, okay, why are we talking about this? When at the time I'm listening to the books about Donald Trump and all the rest of the characters, you know, the Lafrax and the uh, Durst and so forth. And I'm like, I can make this kind of money in real estate. So voila, you know, you decide to get your real estate license and pursue it from there. But nobody tells you that the first year in real estate, if you don't have friends and contacts, you're going to be broke. So that was another eye opener. <laughs> so then that switched gears to being into going after the acquisition of properties. So my first series of properties were three of them that I bought that were basically, uh, if you want to call it, three of them that were uh, on a jack leg and a kickstand. They were so bad that they were falling apart. But that's how my career began, buying, you know, rehab properties, $100 down with Norwest Bank. Hi, what other challenges did you have to overcome kind of in those early days? I mean, you said not having contacts in that first year, but... I mean, I know most people as they get into, you know, business or doing their own thing, it's really those first five to 10 years that are the most challenging, right? Like what all did you have to overcome in those early days? Uh, Being creative with cover with the bank. You find out that there's a certain thing that's called overdraft (laughs) before there was overdraft protection. (laughs) I was using overdraft before there was overdraft protection. So, you know, you find out, oh, okay, the bank's going to pay the check this week. Okay, they're going to pay again next week. This is getting pretty good until they give you a warning. Either you pay us or there's going to be a problem. So one of the things that I learned was that before they created this vehicle called credit lines, I was doing credit lines before they even created it. So I say that the bank owes me a debt of gratitude for these creative moments. But that was one of those things, you know, as an entrepreneur, you create things that nobody else realizes. You know, I remember I actually got started on that because I forget his name at um, Federal Express, Fred, I can't think of his last name. He was the um, entrepreneur that developed Federal Express. And he actually bounced the check to get the airplanes and the fuel. I'm thinking, well, he can pull this off. I can try this off. This is in the 70s. So that was one of those moments where, you know, as an entrepreneur, you do what you got to do to make payroll. You do what you got to do to make it happen. And you get creative. The same thing with, you know, credit card. You know, you've got 10 credit cards. You make use of them. The bank doesn't know what you're doing with them. So all these things play into how you create your empire. You know, entrepreneurialism is about hustle, about grind, about grit, and about being creative. I like that. I like that a lot. That's pretty good. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about kind of your past. Let's fast forward. Like what does life look okay. like for you now? What are you doing now? Uh, now it's about the events, the opportunities. You get all the toys and the trinkets. You get the ability to hobnob with people that you never even dreamed about other than seeing in the magazines and so forth. Um, you know, being able to be a junior trustee at the Carnegie Hall, being able to be at uh, Lincoln Center and be part of their junior boards and so forth. And, you know, that whole concept of places in New York that you never thought about being at being you know at the WWD forums when there's a fashion week being able to go to you know uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium and actually sit on the ground floor things that you never dreamed about because of that fact that when you look at the early days you can laugh about it you know the early days when you got the bank saying to you if you don't pay us you're going to jail (laughs) versus you look forward and you go whoa think about all those moments that's what it's about now it's like being able to have I call it the up you money do what you want, when you want, where you want, however you want. Now that's where it's at now. I like that. Now, I mean, is there anything that you would do differently looking back on your journey, like to get you where you are now? I say this is a very important thing for parents of potential entrepreneurs. And this is very important. Understand that the kid that's very mischievous 
or is doing somewhat of a criminal activity that it seems, that kid is a fringe kid for genius. And sometimes you have to guide them in the right manner because it's very important as a parent because my parents didn't necessarily realize that I was mischievous, but that should have been guided just a little differently because they just didn't understand that path. So it was like always trying to figure out, you know, you got something going on, whether it was the penny pool operation they had going on, whether it was a porno operation in, you know, seminary that you're selling to the guys going, listen, I got these tapes. I got these hot tapes, you know, whatever the case may be. You've got to be able to guide that kid. Now, for those junior entrepreneurs or those want to be entrepreneurs, the thing to understand of it is this is not a thing that you just enter into for fun. It's a lifestyle. You have to focus your life around this, which means there's going to be less dating, less fun, less opportunities that you want to do because that comes at the end. There's no instant gratification. It comes with time, but you have to be about the grind and the hustle. And in that hustle, it's not an illegal hustle. It's just being able to say to yourself, whatever comes at you, you're prepared for to deal with and you can roll with it. I like that. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that a lot. Like being an entrepreneur, it does kind of flip it a little bit. You know, if you work mm -hmm. the normal job, the whole idea is you, you know, mm -hmm. clock out, you go home, mm -hmm. you have your life, then eventually mm -hmm. you retire, but you work a lot longer. Mm -hmm. You know, entrepreneurs, it's like we kind of retire earlier. We don't have to work as long for as long. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> but we give up those early days. You really that's do. That's right. That's right. And that sometimes is not a year or two years. Sometimes you're facing and fighting for the same dream 10 years later. And everybody's yeah. going, would you stop? Would you stop? And you're like, no, no, no. I see it. The light's still in your you know, vision. And sometimes at the 10th year, when you're saying all else has failed, you get that phone call. It's a client. Voila, it opened up. But it was nine years before then that you were saying 3,968 days, I failed. You didn't <laughs> fail. You just didn't stay in it long enough, Okay. Yep. My kids are just now starting to have that realization as they move into adulthood and they've started working with me. My son, the other day, he was like, you know, mom, I get it now. You know, and it's like, thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. 18 and under, they didn't catch it. Yeah. He ended up being a little different. So it's like speaking of raising your kids different. I mean, he finished is. up his 10th grade year of high school and he's like, mom, I'm not learning anything. Mm -hmm. Do I have That's to it. do this for two more years? It's like, well, I mean, he's like, what other options are there? And it's like, well, I mean, there are options. You can get your GED. You can go ahead and go out in the world. Mm -hmm. I was like, but you need to prove to me that you're going to do the work. Mm -hmm. So he did. He spent the summer learning and training and doing mm -hmm. stuff. And he put the time in and he taught himself mm -hmm. to do stuff. He actually edits our podcast episodes and he taught himself yeah, to do all that. That's right. And excellent. so I let him do it. I mean, he just finished his GED. He graduated honors in the GED program, which I didn't even know was a thing. But that Apparently. shows you how gifted he was. Yep. So he did that. He just decided he was going to fast forward his life by two years. And he had thought it through and he presented it well. And it's like, okay, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. non-traditional, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there you go. You know, so it's like, I agree with you completely. You do kind of have to have to think about it a little differently sometimes when you've got a kid doing something weird, you know? Yeah. Cause every kid's not a four-year kid for $300,000 in debt, you know, yes. in my industry, Construction is not a bad thing, you know, whether you're a plumber, a pipe layer, or anything else. At the end of the day, that's still $100,000 salary minus the debt. Most kids mm -hmm. aren't getting that now. You don't have the debt. So you can be handy with your hands and not have to deal with all the stress that goes on. You can create your own business with your own hours. Yeah, there's so many ways to learn nowadays mm -hmm. that it's like you just don't have to go to college for most things. I mean, mm -hmm. there is, you know, obviously like doctors and lawyers and stuff like that. There is some schooling, but most things nowadays i mean he taught himself how to do stuff in minutes that you would have had to do two years of school for mm -hmm. you know it's like it's just it's a new world so i love it 
So like, um, I want to give you a chance to kind of tell our audience a little bit more about your businesses and what you do nowadays. Like, tell us about that. Like, what do you do? How can someone get in touch with you? It is real estate and business acquisition. So currently now I'm creating what is going to be, this is another one of those moments when I say about the dream. I've been working on this process of the construction and real estate industry and realizing how fragmented it is. So my goal now is to create a hundred billion dollar real estate and construction conglomerate that's based upon the six continents and being able to deal with all the major infrastructure projects that are going to be going on in Africa, particularly in India, because we now have the African continent with 4 billion people, lack of housing, lack of roads, lack of railways, lack of transport and so forth. That's a huge market. So I'm looking at capitalizing there in addition to the fact the same thing with India and the whole Pakistan and so forth area in East Asia. So that's a huge market. So with the new population, what the world is expecting in those emerging countries in the next eh, 25 years, you're looking at potentially speaking, probably another four or 5 billion people that will have no place to stay. So that's part of the goal now. So now the issue of the hour is, is now transcending and actually setting up operations in those countries and beginning the transition of setting up operations there while COVID is going on, having a downtime and getting in there. And then in the same token, growing it from there. So through acquisition and or the training of our workers there. Now, as far as getting contact with me, they can get in contact with me. My site is DariusAross.com. So that's a new site we've got coming up. And so they like my rhino on there because the rhino is my mascot. You know, tough <laughs> and hungry and, and he has unstoppable. I like that. <laughs> so it's a rhino man. I like that a lot, man. Yeah, you've definitely got some challenges coming up for you with COVID and everything and trying to conquer all that. So, but sounds like you definitely know how to get stuff done when you need to. So um, do you have any final tips or advice that you want to share? Like most of our audiences, entrepreneurs that are working on kind of scaling up their business and getting to that dream lifestyle, like anything you want to share with them? One of the most important things is to understand your skill set. Not everyone is capable of everything. So have the right team, as you mentioned about your son being on your team, have the right team members that actually understand your vision. Because that was one of the biggest things that I failed and failed miserably at in the very beginning. The wrong team members will cost you lots and lots of money because they'll go along with the paycheck versus they have the interest vested in the dream. And so one of the things I say to you, you must ask on the interview, point blank, what purpose do you serve? Because ask them right off the bat, what purpose do you serve? If they go blank faced on you, show them the door because you already know what you're dealing with. If they come back with you with a strong, solid answer and back it up with facts, you can hire them. But that's one of the most important things. Understand your team and your skill set. And then the last thing of it is, is be able to appreciate your vision is not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. It's going to have to take patience. And there's no instant gratification. And even when you get the money, you're still struggling because it's struggling to the next tier. Yeah. I like that. And the whole, like, I call it superpowers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the things I teach people a lot. I'm actually launching a 90 day program called superpowers okay. into sales. That's, I mean, that's a core piece of it is you really have to understand what your skill set is mm-hmm. and focus on that. Even if your business does a whole bunch of things, mm-hmm. there's a whole pathway into your business. If you focus on what you do really well and then go out and own that expertise, you know, mm-hmm. go write your book, go put out content, go answer questions, go, mm-hmm. you know, get on stages, give presentations and own that thing you do really well and use that to help grow your business and drive more you know, revenue and build up the team around you that does mm-hmm. the parts you don't like to do or that you're not as good at doing. 
know, because I feel like Absolutely. not like to do is really important. If you don't like to do it, you're not going to do it as well as the person you could hire that loves to do it. You know, and the other thing I want to add to that is compensate them well. Yep. We as entrepreneurs go into things saying we're going to cut corners. Your best team members that do the best jobs compensate them well because yeah, at least they will stay the distance. That's right. Yeah. I interviewed another lady, young, young girl. Um, but she's doing some really amazing things and she pays all of her workers living wages, living full-time wages mm-hmm. and will not let them work more than 25 to 30 hours a week. No, which is genius. It's like I hadn't thought about it, but the way she does it, she's in the mm-hmm. financial sector. She's a CFO. Mm-hmm. But it's just really cool the way she goes about it and what it allowed her to do that. I think a lot of people don't think of is it allowed her to scale. She mm-hmm. has them clock their time. And once she sees them consistently going like 30, 35, you know, they've got the bandwidth to work mm-hmm. a little bit more so that she mm-hmm. can, you know, while she brings the next person on. So if she right. gets two or three people that are working more. Now let's mm-hmm. add another person on. A lot of times we push people into working, you know, 45, 50 hour weeks because we have that overflow before we hire someone. So it gave her a mm-hmm. buffer. And I mean, those people are never going to leave her because where else are you no. going to, you know, mm-hmm. she's going to have them for ages. So it was, just, it was really smart. It was a really cool interview. I've been interviewing so many young kids. I feel I feel old. I'm only 38 now, <laughs> making me feel old. I'm interviewing these like 24, 26 year old kids that are just doing like things that people that are have been in business for 20, 30 years hadn't even thought of. It, it, it's well, truly an eye opener. It's interesting now, like I said, at 56, see, I think even from your vantage point and saying, you know, I've got 18 years on you, the vehicles and the tools that were given to your generation weren't there for mine. You know, it's like the mobile phone. We began the mobile phone, but we didn't understand the use of it, right? The yeah. whole apps and so forth. And that generation now, they've grown up with the apps. So it makes things so easy. We didn't have that. We had the encyclopedia. There was no such thing as going to an app. It's like, oh, I'm in that weird little, I think, what is it they call me? They call me an elder millennial, I believe, because like I grew up with, you know, we didn't Mm -hmm. have computers in our houses until I was like, you know, late teens. I didn't have a phone until I was an adult and had kids. I had Mm -hmm. a pager in high school. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, and it's like we had dial up internet. So that's, I was like, Mm -hmm. right at that, like, I still understand like yep. I had in a set of encyclopedias, that's how mm-hmm. I looked stuff up. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I still love like the fact that you can ask Google questions to get answers is amazing. Yeah. I have mm-hmm. Google smart speakers all through my house. I think yeah. it's great. The kids won't even bother to Google stuff most of the time. They're like, I don't know. It's like, they know the information's there. Mm-hmm. So they don't seek it. You know, it's mm-hmm. such a weird little mm-hmm. shift, you know, it's like me, it, we didn't know stuff back then. You'd argue with people <laughs> left and right about things. It's right. like you didn't know, you know, you might remember and go check out a book in the library the next day mm-hmm. to get the answer and prove someone mm-hmm. wrong. You couldn't right. just look it up. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Different world. Yeah, but it, it's great. I love how you're talking about, you know, how to treat the younger generation because I mean, they are, it's, they're a different breed of people coming up and it's been really, it's been really cool. I've been interviewing people on both sides of the spectrum. It's just like, ooh. <laughs> inspiring oh man well thank you so much for coming on and doing this with my me today. pleasure um this was just this was great i love it so uh thank you so 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 much and to all of our audience today like entrepreneurs this is your call to take action right to take you know some of this advice that you've learned today from darius and from a lot of our other experts and join our community at etatoday.zone and learn how to build a business that enables your lifestyle instead of taking over your life bye guys <laughs>